Welcome to the Easy Scaling Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shonda King, and together we'll be exploring how successful entrepreneurs are actually scaling to six figures and beyond. My goal is to bring you conversations that are honest and transparent and to share the real, raw, nitty gritty details about what works and what doesn't. Hello, hello. You are listening to our mini series all about failure. We're diving into how folks approach failure, the failures that they have experienced, what they've learned from them, how they've gotten support through them, and all kinds of other juicy topics. So let's get to it. All righty. In this episode, I'm chatting with Anna Rapp. Anna is a business mentor and mindset coach and a mama of two. She's also the founder of the Heart Centered Entrepreneur Podcasting Community. And she was actually my very first life coach and then eventually my very first business coach. So I have known Anna for a very, very, very long time. And she truly is probably the most heart-centered person I think I've ever met. So (laughs) not a coincidence that that is her, her business and her brand. So she lives in San Diego and she coaches ambitious women internationally to help them launch and grow their service-based businesses so that they can have wild, profitable monetary success, but without compromising what matters most to them, like their values and showing up for their family. And she is a freaking rock star at this. I can totally vouch. So what we do is we dive into failure. We talk all about failure, how to move through failure, how to navigate it, the lessons that you can learn from failure. Anna is great at this. She has a great perspective on this, on how to learn lessons from your failure, what to make it mean, what not to make it mean. And so we have a really fun time here, and I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Welcome, Anna. I am like maybe more excited about this than usual. I am so excited. Any opportunity to chat with you, Jordan, I'm like, let's do it. Yes. And it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a hot We used minute. to chat all the time, but it has definitely been a hot minute. So we're going to just like dive right in and start talking about failure. Why not? Yeah? Diving into failure on a Tuesday okay. morning. <laughs> Let's freaking do it. So I, I asked this when we were chatting and prepping for this, this episode is like, what comes to mind when you think about failure? Tell me about that. What comes to mind is like, I was just telling a client this this week. I fail and don't hit my goals way more now than I ever have at any point in my whole life. And But also, I'm happier, more successful, more abundant. Like, I also don't make myself wrong for it. And so I just love this conversation around our relationship to failing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like a constant. So we might as well talk about it and figure out how to navigate it because it's going to happen. And you kind of want it to happen. I don't know. I've gotten kind of like addicted to it. Like, I want really bad shit to happen in my business because then I mean it means something good's gonna happen <laughs> it, it means that you're growing it means that you're and usually like if you're not failing or if you're not if you're continually surpassing your goals it usually means you're not shooting big enough right you're not playing totally. big enough you're not risking you're not putting yourself out there in the big leagues yes yes okay so let's let's dig into how you've evolved in this way because it sounds like this this is not necessarily a new thing, but it's different than it was early on. So how did that happen? I think it, I, I feel like the biggest thing was like in entrepreneurship, like something changed. Like I think in my corporate life, my corporate career, right? I primarily was a therapist before I was doing the coaching situation. And I think I, I, I have, I've always been ambitious. I've always been 
that way. But I think I always kind of like played it a little safe. And I think suddenly entrepreneurship was very exposing and that it doesn't really let you play it safe. It doesn't really like, you just have to put your ego at the door and be like, I'm going to look crazy. I'm going to do, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fail. Like, I think it's just the most humbling experience. But if you can surrender to it and then you realize that everyone else is in that too, then it's not so traumatizing. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. It's interesting because I feel like on one hand, I'm like pretty risk averse, but on the other hand, that's like such a normal thing that I'm constantly doing all the time. It is like a really weird entrepreneurship is weird. It's very weird. And, and actually everyone listening probably knows Julia, who is like my therapist slash life coach slash she calls herself an everything coach. And she talks about risk or about entrepreneurship in terms of like the holder of risk. Like that's what an entrepreneur is. And that framing has been really, really helpful for me because then when, when I'm when I am faced with risk, which is all the time, it's like, oh, well, this is my job. This is actually like my job and the defining characteristic of what it means to be an entrepreneur. And I have to be experiencing that or I'm really not doing the thing, you know? I uh, I 100% agree. I love what you said too about that you're risk averse because I would consider myself to be risk averse too. But mm-hmm. yet here we are. Like, why do you think that entrepreneurship sometimes attracts people that are risk averse when it's literally so... Risk, like in, I'm like I will yeah. label you, but I will label myself that I'm like a light control freak. And like, why <laughs> do you think that like here we are in entrepreneurship? With like, do you think it's just because it's the lesson we need to learn, or like, why do you think that is? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I I honestly I wouldn't even put the caveat of like light control freak. I'm like a full blown control freak. Like I know that everybody around me knows that. Like let's be real. And actually, okay, this is so funny. This is yesterday i'm i'm staying with my family right now we're traveling for the last few months of the year staying with family and my grandma she's in her needed to make her bed needed to make her bed and my mom was like oh i'll go make it she was like no 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 you can't you can't make my bed for me i need to like supervise you i have a particular way i was like okay well that explains a lot about me right there (laughs) and here and this is how this has been best i don't know what it is though i I, you know I don't know. It's a weird thing. I've thought a lot about this because I have even been told or it's been suggested to me that I am like not necessarily maybe cut out for entrepreneurship. Someone said that to me once in my my past life and that like really hurt me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know because I, I do like I can see on paper that it, that it doesn't make any sense, but I continue to do it. I don't know. First what do you think all, it is? You tell first me. First of all, <laughs> F them for saying that. Excuse yeah, yeah. me. Yeah, excuse whatever. Well, we've one, proven them wrong. Women, so, All women are born to be entrepreneurs and money-making machines. So like there's that part. I can't speak for men, <laughs> but I'm just going to say that. Second part is how dare you? How yeah. dare you? <laughs> I think like I've, th- I've thought about this a lot lately, which is like I think for us as like women who are ambitious, who are driven, who are high performers, right? Like you know, it's easy to play it safe and work for other people, you know, or like not be the star of our own show in some ways. But I think like when it comes down to the deepest, deepest part of us, I think we were born and destined for this. And I think like the control, the perfectionism, the like risk of like, I think all of it is like things we need to shed. Like, I mean, not all of it's bad, right? But I think for me, it's like, been like, oh no, this is the lesson, right? Like this is part of our evolution, not just as entrepreneurs, but as women and what it looks like to 
play it bigger, to be messy, to like play it big, right? Yeah, yeah. And so for those listening who don't know this, you have played a massive role in my evolution from getting to like, just like Jordan dabbling in like, I kind of have a business, kind of don't, to like now having this multiple six figure, we're planning to hit seven figures next year, like very, very quickly, rapidly scaling business. And, you know, we started working together before you were even, even doing coaching in the business world. You were still a therapist. And I came to you, you were my life coach. It's like such a sweet little cute thing. And have you've worked with me through multiple, for, through both of my first two businesses and then through like the birth of this business, which is really cool that you've like seen the full evolution from start to finish. Well, I mean, we're not finished, but you know what I mean? And that was one thing that we worked a lot on and that I struggled with a lot was like my first two businesses I co-founded. And this third one is my only and my first and only solo venture. And that was a struggle for me for, I think for a lot of these reasons, like for the failure. And, you know, we, I, I think back to like the conversations we were having and something that sticks out related to failure specifically is that having a co-founder is very comfy. It's very comfy. It takes the responsibility off of you so that if you don't fail, it's not just you. Like there's something about being a CEO and being a lone CEO that really exposes that risk to failure for sure. A hundred percent. And I don't think there's anything bad about like co-founding businesses and business partnerships. But I think like for some women, like I just saw it in you. You know, there's some things like as a coach, like that we like see in our clients and we can't quite say yet. You know what I mean? And we like play yeah. with like the right time to say things like from day one, Jordan, I always knew you were born to have your own empire. Like I always like, I just saw it in you. And I think you saw it in you too. But sometimes it takes a few businesses. Sometimes it takes a few evolutions. And I think as women, we're so afraid to like, you know, when we know our mindset thing, like, you know, we have to still play it out in real life. And I think you did so courageous at like, really over time living into your glory that you're in right now, right? Yeah. What a mess though. Gosh, it was a process. We like, we yeah, no, no, it's great. Mess. Like, there's no <laughs> way out, but through. Totally. And you were willing, like, I think as women, we're not always willing to do the through part. And you were, like, you were willing to do the mess, right? Mm, mm. And it's still a constant struggle. <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> entrepreneur, hashtag entrepreneurship. Here Yes. Okay. So let's, let's talk about support because we're kind of like getting into this, but I want to hear from you, like the types of support that you have had through failure, like how that plays out. Oh my goodness. Support, 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 support. So I think yeah. at all times, like for the last like six and a half years, like I've always had in and out, right? A therapist, a coach, help with my kids. I'm a single mom, right? And so I think I've just really roped in extra support, whether it's been house cleaning, laundry service. And then also just even for me personally, I've hired Spanish tutors. I've taken private dance lessons. Like just the one-on-one -on -one or or la some high touch support, the more I can be supported, the more I have brain space and capacity for things like failure, for things like risk, for things like challenges, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I am. I'm a big fan. I think support in multiple forms is an absolute non-negotiable for everyone in, especially women in entrepreneurship, whatever yes. it looks like. Yeah. Oh, MIT, MIT yeah. business team, Haley, shout out to oh, Haley. Of course. <laughs> of course. She, she just kind of like a given, like she just makes my gratitude list every day. Right. But yes, all the support. Yeah. I love it. Okay. What else do you think we need to know about failure? 
Mm. What have you learned? What can other people do to navigate it more easily? I think like what comes up for me is like just knowing what helps me with failure is knowing that it's always going to be hard. Like there'll always be some emotional pain, right? Like when I set a goal and I don't meet it, it's not that I'm like, yeah, I didn't meet it. It's like sometimes I cry or sometimes I vent to my coach or sometimes I journal it out. And I think like the 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 blessing of being a coach is I see everyone else's behind the business shiz. And so I don't make myself wrong for mine. But I think if you're not a coach and you don't see that everyone struggles, right? It's easy to make yourself wrong for that instead of like, of course, I'm going to have a moment. Of course, I'm going to have this 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 time of being sad about the failure, but it doesn't mean I need to make myself wrong for it or change what I'm doing or slow down. I can still keep my actions the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, I find this to be really difficult. And this is something like recently that happens. Like I said, failure happens all the time, like whatever. It's just part of it. And I think honestly, pure exposure to it is like the only way to get used to it really really you know like it's a practice like anything else and so it's always coming up and it comes up in different ways big and small and we kind of recently went through this experience of we had a hundred percent retention rate for our clients for over a year since starting and then we massively grew we like quadrupled our client capacity in a couple of months And then we had some clients drop off and I immediately went straight to like, oh my gosh, what have we done? We've disappointed people. We like, we are in the wrong. I am in the wrong. What was I thinking? This is terrible. Like total spiral, like an instant spiral, right? Instead of just stepping back, (laughs) thinking like, okay, what of this is maybe just a normal level of churn at this level of client capacity, right? Like there's other things that may not be on you and may just be a normal part of the process, but it's hard to it's hard to zoom out and get that that context and perspective, I think. Like, do you have any tips or tricks or things for how you do that? I, I think what you said is spot on, which is I think a lot of times it's not failure. It's just something new that we haven't experienced before, but it's normal, right? Just like you said, like losing clients or even like having an angry client or like whatever it is, likely everyone has experienced that, right? And so it's just normalizing in your brain, shifting your expectations, right? I think like half of business would be way easier if we like didn't make ourselves wrong for what happens. And then we can look at it objectively, right? And say, okay, is there a problem or is there not? And hey, maybe there is a problem. How do I solve it? Or like, like you said, actually, there's no problem. It's normal for clients to move on. And even changing our languaging around it, right? Like, oh, my, you know, these clients stop working with me because they hate me. Or like, hey, I'm so grateful that these clients and I had a seasons together and now they're moving on to something else. And who knows, maybe they'll be back in the future, right? Yeah, what I think is really, really critical for what you, like as what you just said was that it's almost like an order of operations thing here, like to get super nerdy with it in that you have to do the, you have to do the pause (laughs) and like, Okay, maybe there maybe this is something outside of my control. I don't need to take all the responsibility for it. Do that first and then you can look at it objectively and see if there's data that you need to get from it. And that was like I did it out of order, but then could back up because I have so much support and a lot of people to talk to about these things. Can go back, get the clarity, be more ob- objective and then relook at the situation and be like, "Okay, yes, this is normal and it's okay. And it doesn't mean that our business is going to fail just because a couple of clients didn't want to renew. But also there's an opportunity here to maybe reposition our offer or restructure our offer so that we're actually attracting the right clients instead of the wrong ones so that this happens as 
as little as possible moving forward. You know, so you can do both, but you got to do it in the right order. I love it. Of course, you would say our order of operations because you're just like an operations whiz. <laughs> but like, I agree, right? And then it feels so much lighter. I would say like when a problem like that feels like pretty light, like, hmm, or we're curious, like, okay, what happened? Yeah. How can I shift my business? How can I change things? That's different than like, oh my God, like it, it just feels different in our body, right? Like there's something wrong with me. There's so, like, like I panic. I've got to fix this. My business is going to blow up. I'm going to die. Like that versus like, <laughs> yeah. okay. And even when we make big mistakes, like I've made mistakes before that I've had to apologize to clients for, not intentionally, right? But I have, me or my team has made mistakes where I've had to make it right. And so when I think still cut, like being willing to address problems, but from like an energy of like safety and worthiness, right? Yes. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, there was like some serious nuggets in here. What else? Anything else we need to leave people with on failure, moving through failure? I think that's it. I would say I just read a book, The Freedom Fund, and in it I have this little analogy with goals and failure that was really helpful for me. And the picture is, in case you guys are like visual learners, two targets, right? And one target has the middle being a small goal, like 10, right? The other goal has uh, like 100, right? And I think so often we make our goal really easy because we're like, ooh, it's easy to hit that 10. Yay, I met my goal, right? Instead of like, I shot for I shot for 100, but I only made 70. I didn't hit my goal, but I'm going to celebrate that, right? I think yeah. it helps us to, you know, really conceptualize. It's not about avoiding failure or, or always meeting our goals, but it's like shooting big enough so that we're always growing, always expanding and knowing that failure is normal on the way to expansion, right? Yeah. What this reminds me of is something that you encouraged me to do when I was in your mastermind cell with heart. And it was around finances because this was a real sticking point for me in my first couple of businesses because I was always trying to like set this goal and like, I, I, okay, there's a million things that I did wrong and didn't know how to do that I know how to do now. But one of those was I was just setting this like big lofty goal. And because of the way that my brain works, if I didn't hit that goal, it was like, oh, I'm so deflated, failure, whatever. And so kind of hacking how you yourself are motivated to to hit those goals, I think is important because some people are motivated by the like the bigger goals. And I think it can shift over time too once you start to see what's possible, but we won't we won't dive too deep into that. What is interesting and what this makes me think of is you always encouraged us to do good, better, best financial goals. And that's something that I always do and that I tell my clients to do now too because it gives you this wiggle room of like not being afraid to put the big goal on there, but also having something that feels like a little stretchy maybe, but also comfy and not totally intimidating and then you know, we usually hit somewhere in the middle, right? I, I mean, that's so true. And actually for a lot of my clients, I actually had them, de you know, I said that example of increasing your goal, but sometimes I have my clients decrease their goal, right? Because sometimes we make, like you said, a number so lofty that it almost feels yeah. safe because it's impossible and you know you're not going to hit it, right? So when you make it a little smaller, you're like, oh my gosh, that's actually doable, right? Like I could actually make that happen. So I agree, right? It's all about playing with the amount that feels stretchy, but not impossible. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. OK, we could go on a real rabbit hole there. So I probably shouldn't like open that. We will, of course, have information for how people can find you, learn more about you. Go grab your book, which I'm sure is going to be on pre-sale at some point after this comes out. So yes. we'll put that in the show notes. Anything else you want to leave us with? I, th I think that's it. That's Just all. I, I have a podcast, there. too. 
the yes. Hearts and Entrepreneur podcast. So that's a great way to connect with me if you want to connect with me. Cool. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Easy Scaling Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And if you send me a screenshot of that review, I will send you my 90-day planning formula. This is the same process that I use with all of my multiple six-figure clients to help them get organized, be more efficient, and scale faster. 